Now, throw the switch and let us begin the battle for the planet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Riot Act. I'm your host, Jim Camp. The Riot Act provides a recap of some of the week's political stories. And what can be more political than marijuana? I have on the line my Washington, D.C. correspondent, Mike. Mike, uh, put that joint down and join us, please. (coughs) Oh, Hey, I'm sorry. Were we talking? Yeah. Hey, what's up, Jim? Not a whole lot. How are you doing there in the land of the icebergs? Oh, you know, it's it's really not that bad up here. I mean, compared to Texas, it's probably freezing. But, you know, I was walking the dog in a sweatshirt yesterday, and that's unusual for February. So global warming is real, and so is marijuana. Yes, I yeah, marijuana is real. Right here in Texas, it's in the middle of winter, and today we're going to have sixty-five, seventy-degree weather. So I guess a lot of people, a lot of people like that. But I kind of miss the cold. I hear you. I know. Hey, Mike. Hey, so you're, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. So you're talking about pot today, huh? Yes, we're going to talk about the wacky tobacco. You know that the uh, the Green Party along with the libertarians, they're known for promoting the legalization of marijuana. Many states have organizations that are advocating the legalization. Right here in Texas, we have what is called Texas Normal. Of course, there's nothing normal about Texas. And I know, Mike, that you have Maryland Normal up there, right? Yeah, yeah. And Maryland Normal is just about as weird as Texas Normal. (laughs) But colder. Well, you know, they say there's something in the water, uh, and there's something to say about that statement, because if you look at, like, the writing and the creative efforts that come out of Baltimore, very strange, and um, the pot just adds a little bit to it. So there's definitely something in the water up here. Edgar Allan Poe uh, is a perfect example of that. Well, besides those two organizations, there are grassroots political groups. So, you know, we got the Republicans and the Democrats and the Libertarians and the Green Party. Well, now they have grassroots legalized cannabis party. There is the Legal Marijuana Now Party. And I think they need to put an O in there. So it's be L-M-N-O-P instead of just L-M-N-P. But anyway, (laughs) uh, the Legalized Marijuana Party. And then we have the United States Marijuana Party. And rounding all of that out is the Cheech and Chong throwing a party. <laughs> well, you know what they call a person who remembers everything about Woodstock? No, what's that? A liar. <laughs> I could have went to Woodstock. 
but my mom wouldn't let me. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cheech and Chong, they made an art out of getting stoned and having a comical look at that. And we'll get to that maybe a little later on. But with so, Mike, with so many people advocating or pushing rather, no, I'm sorry, not pushing, no pun intended, uh, advocating for legalization of marijuana, I'm trying to figure out what's the holdup. Uh, You know, that's a good question. Like, for example, South Dakota just legalized recreational marijuana, but the legislature or the powers to be are fighting against it, even though they won the popular vote to uh, legalize recreational. There's a, a force to be trying to prevent that from happening. Virginia just passed last week, the legislature just passed to legalize marijuana and uh, the governor expecting to sign it next week or this week, actually. So it's starting to change a little bit. Many people, they have a moral or health objections to using marijuana, although I don't know what the health objections would be because everybody I know who uses marijuana, it helps them with some afflictions, glaucoma on one bad back and knees on another. So uh, I don't know what the health objections would be, but we have to face it. I guess that cannabis has a complicated history here in the United States. I'm wondering why the United States is always one decade behind other developed nations on this. Feelings about public health, of course, there's the race card, and then there's the crime card, and of course, the religious card, the morality part of it. That whole complicated relationship is there. From my perspective, and I've been a pot uh, consumer for, oh, I would say about, you know, going on 50 years now. And I think it's all about the money. I don't, I mean, I think it's presented like, sort of like the Desert Storm and Desert Shield. It's presented as a, uh, as some sort of moral effort when it really was money. Um, And I think it's about money because there's been, there's been a highly developed network of people wanting to buy marijuana and people providing marijuana for people who want to buy it, and they don't pay taxes on it. So the government and the powers to be, they want that money, and if they can't get it legally, they want to stop it from happening. It's about money. You know, I'm familiar with the Eric Gardner case in New York City with the cigarettes, uh, but they beat the man to death for selling cigarettes on the street. Yeah, I, I remember that. That's a tragic, uh, tragic, tragic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is a big anti-movement, mm-hmm. uh, and always has been, and we're going to get into the history of that, but I did want to play this one short bit right here, so stand by. It is only through enlightenment that this scourge can be wiped out. They both smoke pot. That's jive talk for marijuana. People who push drugs must be put in jail for a minimum of 50 years. Someone caught even with a small amount can be sent to prison. President Carter today came out for an end to all federal criminal penalties for the possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana could very well be one of the most dangerous threats to an entire generation of Americans of any drug that we know. I experimented with marijuana a time or two and I didn't like it and didn't inhale and never tried it again. Yeah, right. Uh, that was uh, yeah. Bill Clinton. Was that the first time Bill lied? <laughs> that could be. You know, the big myth, uh, for, for me anyway, the biggest myth about weed is pushed by the medical field that that it's a gateway drug. Of course, the politicians latched onto that as well. But I, I think all that's a, 
BS. It's much further from the truth. Doctors really need to look at their own prescription pads to see the real gateway to harder drugs, opioids. And uh, alcohol, by the way, is also a gateway drug. These concerns are not based on any facts or studies. Most of the studies on marijuana have proven to be a positive thing. You might have heard there in that soundbite I just played, Ronald Reagan used this whole gateway concept, and that's what introduced the government's so-called war on drugs. And we all know that's been a big colossal failure money down the drain, you might say, by the Reagan administration and every minute, every administration after that. But it didn't start with Ronald Reagan, the patron saints of the GQP, or even Nixon. You have to go back to the 1930s to see the ambition used by local governments and other religious organizations to kill marijuana. And back then it was called reefer. I don't know if you're familiar uh-huh. with that, but We have to look at the movie Reefer Madness. You should, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's really funny. It was originally entitled Tell Your Children and was financed by a church group. The film was intended to be shown to the parents as a morality tale attempting to teach them about the dangers of cannabis for their young adult children and children. And if you haven't seen it, the movie opens up with a parent-teacher conference, but it didn't have any of the students there. It ended up with events, you know, the movie uh, showing high school students are lured in by pushers of marijuana. Uh, There was a hit-and-run accident in there, manslaughter, suicide, conspiracy to murder, rape, hallucinations, and a descent into madness from marijuana addiction. But uh, all those things I just mentioned, that's more likely uh, alcohol-related. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the, the whole concept of gateway drug, it's like, well, you know, there's been plenty of people, myself included, who, like I say, I've been smoking marijuana off and on my entire adult life, and I have never, ever once been tempted to take uh, cocaine, heroin, any of that other stuff. It just doesn't interest me, and I've never been tempted. I've been high as a kite and had cocaine offered to me, and I laugh it off. It's like I have nothing to do with that kind of crap. The, the thing about marijuana is it grows naturally. You just pick the leaf, let it dry in the sun, roll it up, burn it, and it does its magic. And if you'll allow me to pontificate upon its magic, uh, because, like I say, I used it a lot, um, it, the, the one alluring thing, like alcohol, <clears throat> alcohol, the reason alcohol is so popular is it knocks out the frontal lobe, which sends the um, subconscious messages that you're not handsome and you can't dance. That's why alcohol is so popular. It's not because it tastes good, because it doesn't taste good. There's not an alcohol made on the planet that tastes good that the body wants to consume. The body rejects it because it's a poison. Now, marijuana, it, uh, it allows you to be omnipresent, which I know sounds strange, but as a human being, we operate in three different modes constantly. We are constantly carrying the past, we are constantly planning the future, and we are constantly present because, well, you have to be present to take a step, to take a breath, to avoid uh, walking into traffic. And so we are constantly processing all these things at once. The the lessons from the past, our hopes for the future, and the present. Smoke marijuana, it allows you to be omnipresent. You are just there in the present. That's true. Uh, I've been high before, and I've never gone out and robbed a bank or, you know, committed murder. So I find that... You never uh, robbed a bank. 
No, never have. Uh, never I even thought about it. I thought you were a federal employee. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't rob it, but the uh, politicians did. Right. Mike, weed is currently illegal at the federal level. However, it is fully legal in 15 states, plus right there in the District of Columbia, for both yep. medicinal and recreational use. And I think there's like 24 states total that have it legal in one form or the other. So I mentioned earlier that Virginia just passed it. Well, you know, the complication with D.C. is that it's passed, but it's not passed because it's federal property and it's still not passed in the federal government. So it's a it's a weird deal. You can't get busted for having marijuana, but you can get busted for selling it because it's still not legal to sell it. They're pushing here in Texas for recreational use of marijuana. So there's a lot of cowboys out there, I guess, that finally want to get stoned. And that will make my son very happy, make him a happy camper. One in three Americans now live in a state where marijuana is legal. Right. You know, and it's like you you brought up the money point. Marijuana is a $24 billion legal sales this year in those 24 states. So you can see where this is going. The legalization of marijuana will create jobs when you think about it. And it's not just selling the weed. It's selling the real estate to grow the weed. It's selling the bongs, uh, the rolling paper, the distribution. There's a lot of jobs out there that could be created by marijuana and the tax revenue help the states. And you would think, because it creates jobs that the Republicans uh, would line right up, but they're not. The Democrats are. The House and Senate, they're pushing to take up a bill, pass a bill that would end the federal ban on cannabis. You got that going. However, there is a police chief, I saw their interview in one major city, saying that the current marijuana laws disproportionately impact black and Latino community members. And over in New Jersey, they said that Blacks are three and a half times more likely to get arrested than whites for marijuana. So with all these concerns, I find it surprising that the legal aspect is changing so fast with all these states. Just in the 2020 election, every ballot initiative involving the decriminalization of marijuana has passed in 2020. So it's going and it's going fast. We're going to take a break here, but... You know, when we get back, I have a friend, I interviewed a friend of yours, a colleague of yours, a very talented filmmaker, Dewey Ortiz. So when we get out of the, he's produced a documentary on legalization of weed there in Washington, D.C. He has a very unique take on grass. And so after the break, we'll go ahead and have his interview. You know Dewey, right? You work with him. Yeah, yeah. I've worked for him a couple times. He's an awesome filmmaker. Let's go ahead and take that break, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Please hang on real shortly. I'd like to ask you what you think uh, out there. If you're, I'd like to get your listener feedback here and participation. Send us an email at riotactradio at yahoo.com or go to my Twitter account, Riot Act Radio, and Facebook, Riot Act Radio. Leave your comments there. If you think I'm full of crap, please let me know. What I would really like to see is for you to call my studios and leave a voicemail comment. You can call 210-281-4366. Again, that's 210-281-4366. Leave your comment there, and I will put it on the show if it's a clean comment. 
You know, no F-bombs, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So if it's clean, I'll put it on. And you can also, by the way, listen to our podcast everywhere where podcasts can be heard, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and so forth. So check that out. So we'll be right back after this break. And now a message to Donald Trump voters from Hillary Clinton voters. So your candidate lost. Sorry. We know it feels terrible. We've been there, but you've got to move on. So however you're feeling, here are some coping tips that helped us get through the last four years. You've got to feel your feelings. We know it's embarrassing, so find a safe space, like maybe a Buffalo Wild Wings. Practice self-care. Take a bubble bath. Maybe cry while you listen to whatever Pandora plays when you search acoustic sad. Practice direct action. Contact your government representatives. For best results, don't threaten to kidnap them. Still crushed? Then it's time to break out your blender. We recommend a bottle of bourbon and a pint of fudge brownie ice cream to make what we called breakfast. Or if you're feeling really overwhelmed, just tweet any vague statement of hope followed by the hashtag resistance. We won't be needing it anymore, Snowflake. By the way, snowflakes are beautiful and unique. Not sure how it got turned into an insult. We don't mean it that way. So chin up. We'll see you in four years. In the meantime, you can still drink from your liberal tears mug. Just remember, now they're tears of joy. Hey, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Uh, Here, let me explain. It's free, which is always good. There's a creation tool that's on the app that'll help you, that'll let you uh, record and edit your podcast right on your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and many others. So you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's simple, and it's free, and it's fun, and I did it, so why don't you give it a try? Okay, Mike, uh, we're back. Uh, You know our next guest, uh, Dewey Ortiz, and I I had the opportunity to interview him this past week, and I knew we were doing a show on marijuana, and he has the documentary on marijuana, so we're going to go ahead and play that right now. I know we've been having a lot of fun here, but I want to talk about something a little more serious. I have Mr. Dewey Ortiz on the line. He's a filmmaker, graduated from Howard University's film school, and he's working on a a documentary called Higher Power, which is about the legalization of marijuana in Washington, D.C. Dewey, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, Tim. How are you? I'm doing very well, sir, and I really appreciate you being with us because now we're going to add a little seriousness to our levity that we've been going on here. Uh, What brought you to make this movie Higher Power? Well, it was pretty straightforward. Um, Recreational cannabis use is legal in Washington, D.C., and recreational cannabis sales are not. And that is the unique predicament in the United States. We are the only city that deals with this issue where recreational sales are not legal, but recreational use is legal. So I wanted to tell a documentary uh, not only about that, but about 
about how black Washingtonians are navigating this in-between space while looking to build their futures through participation in the legal cannabis industry. So you can't buy it. You can use it. So do you go out of state? Do you go to Maryland or whoever else has legalized marijuana? That's a great question. And, and, and yeah, you're right. You you cannot buy it, but you can use it. And so, you know, Washingtonians can do a number of things. There is still the full booming traditional market or have also been known as illegal market. But, you know, we like to call it the traditional market that is still up and running. And also there is just uh, medical cannabis. So medical cannabis is also legal in D.C. and it is legal to sell cannabis from a medical dispensary. Um, you have to have a medical card. You have to be a patient. And then once you have a card, you can go into a dispensary and purchase cannabis legally. And so those are the two options for uh, Washingtonians. So your doctor gives you a prescription and you go into the to the dispensary and get your joint there. <laughs> Correct. And, 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 and I misspoke. There's a third option. Um, you know, Initiative 71, the ballot initiative that, that made uh, recreational use legal, uh, allows you to grow. So you can also grow cannabis yourself in your home or an apartment if your apartment uh, allows it or is not federally subsidized. Okay. So I did ask you if you could go to Maryland and buy it. If you buy it in Maryland, you're legally able to take it back into D.C., right? If you buy it in Maryland, well... That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, wow, and and I don't exactly know the answer because DC isn't a state. So I'm yes. I, so the, the the question you pose is legally, right? Right. I don't have an answer to the legal legal part, <laughs> but <laughs> you can buy it and then go back into Washington DC if you choose to. Oh, okay. I didn't know if they'd have a. Uh drug sniffing dogs on the border of DC. And that's one of the biggest <laughs> problems uh, that you just mentioned that DC is not a state. How does that affect this whole sale of cannabis? Well, that's a great question uh, as well. And and that's the core of our documentary. Um, you know, this, this documentary is taking a, a look at, you know, the, the complex past and present of cannabis legalization. And it's telling a story about the large disenfranchisement of its U.S. citizens because we're not a state. And because we're not a state, Congress controls the budget of Washington, D.C. So anything having to do with taxing and regulating Congress controls. And so because we passed Initiative 71, Congress got in their feelings, and a Republican by the name of Andy Harris, Republican congressman from Maryland, decided to put a rider in to the budget that said that there can be no money or, or funds allocated to the tax and regulation of recreational cannabis sales, which effectively made it illegal to sell, ipso facto. Um, and, and that's been something that's been put back into the budget rider by Republican congressmen when Republicans controlled the House. And then when they controlled the Senate, they just slipped it back in when it went in, when the budget went to the Senate. And so here we are today, disenfranchised once again, uh, being unable to tax and regulate cannabis sales, which would be a boom to the city, right? You would think so. I'm always railing against the Republicans being the liberal that I am. Um, mm -hmm. And now I see there's another Republican throwing, you know, darts at something. It's always seems like the Republicans are always doing things that do not help people. They do things that deter people. I completely agree. 100%. And, 
and and to bring this into modern times for those political junkies out there, Andy Harris is the guy, I believe it was last week, who tried to go into the House and he was carrying a gun and they said he couldn't take his gun in. So he tried to get another congressman to hold his gun. And that congressman was like, I don't have a <laughs> permit. I can't hold your peace, man. So this is the same guy. Uh, so if, if anybody out there is listening, that name is familiar for that exact reason. Oh yeah, I remember that too. So the point of your right. um, the point of your documentary then, I guess, is just to educate people. Are you trying to educate maybe Congress as well? I'm trying to educate anyone who is willing to listen. We do have, you know, we're still in production, and we have plans on on reaching out to certain local politicians and and Congress people to see if they're interested in being a part of this documentary. And it is to educate anyone who's willing to listen, and and that includes Congress if if they're willing to listen. But, you know, the hope is with this new administration, we can get statehood, you know, and I feel like as long as it's not to get a political tangent, but as long as Democrats uh, stay steadfast, that can be a possibility. And then we wouldn't have to worry about this. The statehood for D.C. has been around for quite a while. I, I myself lived in, well, lived in Alexandria, Virginia, across the river, but they had talked about statehood back then, too. And for some reason... Congress just doesn't want to let that happen. And I think it's only because how are they going to design an American flag with 51 stars rather than 50? <laughs> it's going to throw the well, whole, you know, it's going to throw the whole thing off. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it's past the time that we've become the 51st state and, you know, we explore this in our documentary and, our, you know, one of the aspects we discussed in our documentary is would this be a, question or a problem if D.C. wasn't a majority black city? Would we have been a state? And so, you know, right now we're 46 percent. We're not necessarily the majority anymore, but we are 46 percent. So if we became the state, we would be still be the first majority black state. And so I still think that's an issue that rubs Congress the wrong way. And, you know, little known fact, since we're talking about it, the people of Washington, D.C. were able to vote for their politicians until 1973, technically. It was not the Home Rule Act of 1972 that passed. So, you know, there are people, and we talk about this in our documentary, there are people who grew up in the city who at the time didn't know what a governor was. Oh, Why right. would they? Right, you exactly. Know? Well, I know, you know D.C. has one representative in Congress, but they're not allowed to vote. Exactly. And sometimes in, in her position, we're talking about Eleanor Holmes Norton, uh, the great Eleanor Holmes Norton, in her position, you know, the, the, the little power she's afforded depends on who's in power of the House. Well, that just further proves my point. We've got to have more Democrats in the House and Senate. Keep things smooth. Absolutely. Okay, Dewey, I appreciate it. It's a very interesting topic. We're looking forward to um, seeing higher power. Uh, do you have some social media that we can tell the people about? Sure. Uh, you know, if you're interested in following higher power, Please reach out to us on Instagram at Higher Power Film. We're also on Facebook at Higher Power DC. We have a trailer out on Vimeo. Uh, you can Google Higher Power DC, or you can just Google my name, Dewey Ortiz Jr. That's O R T I Z, and you should be able to find the trailer relatively easily. Uh, you know, we're we're hoping to wrap this this documentary up by the end of this year so it can be out to the people next year in film festivals. Well, that sounds wonderful. Hey, Dewey, I appreciate you being with us. I wish you the best of luck on your new film, and I look forward to seeing it. 
Thank you, sir. And uh, tell Mike I said hey. <laughs> I'll do that. Thank you. All right. Okay, that was uh, Dewey Ortiz, filmmaker, talking about his documentary. So if you have a chance, please go out there and uh, look it up and watch it. The trailer is out there. I saw the trailer. It's very interesting stuff. Uh, Mike, uh, marijuana isn't all that new. In the late 1800s, cannabis was used for a number of medical reasons, like nausea and pain relief, just like we are today. I remember uh, in my college years, I smoked so much pot that the zigzag man has a tattoo of me on his forearm. <laughs> and also, think about this. When, when the quarantine first happened and we were going to be in lockdown, the things that went off the shelf were what they went out and hoarded was toilet paper, of course, and batteries and water. But a lot of the cannabis stores, they ran out of marijuana. They sold out. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. I know my source didn't sell. As a matter of fact, it's the one thing over the years that the price has gone down. Well, well because you know, there's competition, su- supply and demand. Yeah, well, there's competition between the, the the legal dispensaries and the guys and gals that have you know have have forged the dark alleys to bring it to us illegally all these years, and they're not about to be undersold by the dispensaries. So the prices are going down. I can remember way back when we'll get uh, Mr. Peabody's time machine where we used to go in, in college, go around looking for the guy who could sell you a baggie. So you had to search all over to find the guy. But once you did, you know, you, uh, you scored, you know, <laughs> cannabis by any other name would smell as sweet. Well, except for maybe skunk. If you got some bad weed uh, back in the old days, they called that the Nixon. You got some Nixon there, uh, and we I called think, it we called it Iowana. <laughs> Iowana. Well, they called it yeah, Nixon, and that was probably for the reason uh, we all know that Nixon did some bad stuff. I guess. Is that where the term "something gets nixed" come from, Nixon? Well, actually, the term came from President Nixon, who who was the one who put the. Um, cannabis on the schedule one drug list which made uh-huh. it a federal law what names do you remember that we used to call pot there was a whole slew of names well if you call if you say grass or weed today it makes young people crack up weed reaper and pot those are like old-fashioned names currently they, they like to call it trees or ganja ganja huh yeah, or chronic. A chronic is a particular type of marijuana, but um, yeah, it's also and and the names have gotten so fancy. I mean, it used to be the names used to be like from the location, like Acapulco Gold or um, or Turkish Hash, things like that. Now they have crazy names like Grandma's Dirty Underwear and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, uh, I remember it being called Mary Jane. Oh yeah. And of course, you've you've known about Alice B. Toklas brownies, right? Yep, never had one, but I've heard of them. Oh, we used to make them all the time. Wonderful stuff. You know, my sister's going to listen to this and say, "What the hell's?" Oh, anyway, you know, back in 19, <laughs> if we go back to 1966, the Bob Dylan song uh, "Everybody Must Get Stoned," you know, which was from Rainy Day Women. Uh, most of the potheads out there. They always said that uh, ra- rainy day women is actually uh, meant marijuana cigarettes. Huh. So, yeah. Okay. So that's why you say everybody must get stoned. So 
Anyway, uh, Bob Bob Dylan says no, it's not. He thought that was baloney. Um, Alice well, B. Toklas Brownies. Alice B. Toklas Brownies also showed up in one of my favorite movies called Alice's Restaurant, and that was back oh, in '67. So, yeah. if you got a great hold, of, like I said, if you got a hold of bad weed, it was called Nixon. But I think we need to change that to Trump. Other wars, the war on drugs. It's just a big conspiracy thing. Uh, I talked about Nixon putting it on the schedule one. He had commissioned a, an actual commission to look into marijuana and the Nixon administration, uh, the, the commission told or advised, I should say the president, president Nixon to remove it from the schedule one, but his, his, uh, attorney general, John Mitchell, he, he put the kibosh on that, and John Mitchell, if you remember, was a Watergate co-conspirator with Nixon. So it remains on the Schedule 1, and, and my understanding is all you got to do is write an executive order, and it should be able to take it right off. So we've had other presidents who could have done that. I mean, George Bush Jr., we know he got stoned every once in a while, so I don't understand that part. Man, can you believe that after the last four years, and I don't want to say the guy's name, and I'm not going to, but can you believe that after the last four years, we actually miss guys like George Bush? <laughs> that's yeah, true. That's, a, that's yeah, true. Crazy. Hey, yeah, I want to share a funny fact with you. In uh, Back in Iowa, uh, there's a lot of fertile land back there, and uh, there's a strand of marijuana that grows wild in, there, in Iowa, but it has no potency. So we always got a kick out of people. We see people from other states, especially the East Coast, pull over and they're picking this weed from the from the side of the road, like they're on, like they've found a, a gold mine. Uh, but all they ever gave you was a headache. We called it Iowana. <laughs> Iowana. Yeah. Well, they called and it a lot of could, things. I mean, it, it, the the term for weed changes from state to state, or I guess even from your neighborhood to neighborhood. Uh, sure, you know, sure. you have grass and weed and Mary Jane, and like you said, they call it skunk or uh, what was it, ganja? Yeah. So, dope. kiss chronic. Yeah. And you would fire up a a, a joint or a fatty or a blunt. Right. Yeah. So. Man, it was a lot of fun growing up back then. <laughs> there's, man, there's marijuana from uh, Hawaii called, um, uh, oh, what is it, Maui Wowie. Yeah, Maui Wowie, yes. And then the California strand is, uh, what is the California strand? Um, uh, oh, man, I'm failing it now. Forget about it. I can't well, think of what see, it is. That, what, that's the first thing that happens when you smoke marijuana. You forget things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, if you're a pot smoker, you forget a lot of things, but you don't forget to smoke pot. <laughs> and you don't forget where you have it stashed. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. There's probably like two ounces in my house in the matter of small bags just hidden from myself. One year, I hid an entire ounce inside of a box of uh, a case of uh, Girl Scout cookies. Because my, <laughs> girls, my girls were selling Girl Scout cookies. And uh, someone came to the door, so I put it in this case real quick. And that case went out to distribution, and somebody got a free ounce of pot and never came back and said, hey, we only ordered thin mints. What's with this extra little spicy you gave us? <laughs> hey, no thank you, you know. Well, that's cool yeah. stuff. Hey, Mike, I've had a lot of fun here today uh, talking about weed. Uh, yeah, me too. So I appreciate you being with me, and I appreciate 
Dewey Ortiz coming on the show and talking about his documentary. So we had a lot of fun. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. I'd like to ask you to please wear your mask. And hey, let's be careful out there. I always heard that his herb was top shelf. I just could not wait to find out for myself. Don't knock it till you've tried it. Well, I've tried it, my friend. And I'll never smoke okay, weed you are. with Willie again. <laughs> you there? I learned a hard lesson. Yeah, I'm going to go in and do a little bit of editing because I got tongue tied there a he couple of times. He fired up a fat boy and um, he passed him around. <laughs> the last words I spoke before they tucked me in. <laughs> I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. I'll never smoke yeah. weed with Willie again. Okay, uh, my party's all the song over. The song I'm playing is again. I'll never smoke weed with Willie You again. can pour me some old whiskey river, river, my friend. Very funny song. But I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. Okay, let's well, at the close. I hopped right, on Mike, I gotta go to the hospital and pick up my son, so... The party was Vegas, it was yeah, after well, the show. Yeah, well, he's bipolar, so he goes off big time. Alone in, in the front lounge, just me and him. Because he's always throwing F-bombs. And With one parting puff, Grim Creeper sat in. I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. My party's all over before it begins. You can pour me some more whiskey, River, my friend. Appreciate it, buddy. I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. Now we're passing the guitar, telling good jokes. I know one's a coming, cause I'm smelling smoke. <laughs> no, I do not partake, I just let it pass by. With a smile on my face. In a great contact high. <laughs> I'll never smoke weed, Willie, again. My party's all over before it began. You can pour me some old whiskey river, my friend. But I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. In the fetal position, <laughs> with drool on my chin. <laughs> I messed up and smoked weed with Willie. <laughs> <laughs>